Good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, we are so glad that you're here today. My name is Zach. I'm the pastor here at the church. If you're a guest, we want to welcome you today. Listen, we, uh, we know this, so we've got some people I'm here today um, from Florida. Um, and, uh, you know, you're up here uh, because of what's happening down in, in your, your towns, your neighborhoods, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we're going to pray in our service with a time of prayer um, for um, what God is doing uh, through our, our efforts in, in, in Houston. But also want to pray for you guys in the middle of what's happening right here. So I know that your hearts and minds are in, in other places too besides here. Um, but we want you to know that we're with you. Um, and uh, we are praying and, and that kind of stuff. But I just wanted to acknowledge you guys um, who are here today because uh, that matters. Um, and uh, and we, we love you guys and we're praying for all that's going on uh, down in Florida and all those who are, being, are affected right now uh, through this most recent hurricane. Um, today's kickoff Sunday for us in terms of kind of our fall new series and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I just want you guys to, to join with me. Um, and, and giving a huge round of applause to all the volunteers and the staff who worked so hard uh, doing everything from uh, hanging a new uh, projector and screen that we were able to purchase with your generosity through Daring Faith uh, because that one was going to go out one Sunday and we didn't know when it was going to happen. So that was a great next step. But doing that, we had people here yesterday um, out in the parking lot, uh, weeding and weed eating and all that kind of stuff and just so many different things. So you might not know all the work that that's going on, but will you just, you guys just uh, join me in applauding them and thanking them for, uh, for all their work because there was a ton that went on. Uh, we're in a new series called Jesus People, and um, it's a series I'm really excited about. It's one that we're going to be in for the next couple of months. We're going to be walking through the New Testament book of Acts, uh, the first seven, eight chapters um, of that. Now, let me pause before we jump into this and just say one more thing because I see people doing this. Like, do I look exact here? Do I look exact there? Why is Zach on the big screen? Like, you know, all right, I mean, here's what we're, you know, it's, we're trying out new things. Everything's an experiment. It's a good thing for us. But here's what we're looking to do is if you sit like the past the three rows, it's really hard to connect with the person on stage. Now, some of you guys are like, well, I sit that far back on purpose because I don't want to see your face up close, right? You know, so, I mean, I understand that. But so we're just saying, listen, we put this out on live stream and, uh, and it'd be, give me a chance to maybe you get to see like my facial expressions and get to see what's going on. Um, if it's a distraction, we may not do it anymore, but just that's kind of what's going on. So if you're new, you're like, okay, I didn't even know that was something different. But if you're not new, um, that's kind of what's going on. But, you know, it's just one of the things we're trying to do to make a better environment uh, for you here at River Club Church. So I wanted to address that. So if you're not looking at me, I'm not going to be offended. Like, it's okay. Don't feel like, I can't look, it's, it's whatever, all right? We're all good, okay? Anyway, back to the Bible. All right. So this new series called Jesus People um, is a series about ordinary people and, and people that God used in really cool ways. And that's kind of the big idea for our series is that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And, and, and specifically when it comes to the story of God in the Bible, so often God will use people. And if we're not careful, we'll look at those people almost maybe as like spiritual heroes, people who didn't have any problems, who didn't have any struggles, who didn't have any, any heartaches or heartbreaks or anything like that. But the reality is this, is that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. 
And so if you feel like you're nothing special sometimes, you feel like, could God use me because I know I've got hangups, I've got problems, I've got struggles, I've, my faith is shaky sometimes, I don't know all the answers to the Bible. Like, if that's who you feel like you are today, which I think we've all felt that at least at some point, I want you to know this. This series is going to encourage you because God uses people just like you and me to do extraordinary things. And it's, it's important to understand that because when we talk about people in the Bible, they're not the heroes. Like, like when, when it comes to God using us in our lives, we're not the heroes. The hero of every scripture in the Bible, the hero of every verse, the hero of everything we're going to talk about in this series called Jesus People is God. God is the hero of it all. I came across this verse in a, um, a devotion that I do on, in, in the mornings in my time with God. And, and I thought it was not a verse, but this passage, I thought it was so cool. But it's written by a guy named Paul Tripp. And here's what it says. The Bible's not a collection of stories of human heroes. No, the Bible's a story of a hero redeemer who transforms weak and ordinary people by his powerful grace. So if you've ever questioned, could God use me to do incredible life-changing things, Could God use me like he uses people I read about in the Bible or I hear priests about in the Bible? Could God use me? The answer is yes. Is that God uses everyday ordinary people. And the story of the book of Acts is how God took a small group of these ordinary everyday people and he changed the world. And so what we're going to do as we walk through this this study, walk through this teaching series, is we're going to be looking at the characteristics that we find in these people. The way that God used them, the things that God grew within them and empowered them to do so that as we understand God's call that he wants to use all of us to continue his mission, his ministry, this movement of the church, right? As God wants to use us as Jesus people, he really can do that. We just have to be willing to buy in and believe what he says about what he wants to do for us and who we are in him. And so this series is going to be an incredible, incredible one. And it's going to be a little bit different than maybe some of our series before because we're going to walk through really verse by verse, passage by passage through these seven chapters, the first seven, eight chapters of of the book. And so if you have a Bible, um, I want you to bring that with you um, because we're going to kind of camp out in one part uh, of, of that scripture for that day. If you don't have a Bible or maybe you have a Bible, but you feel like it was written in a foreign language because I can't understand what it's saying, right? Stop by our Welcome Center. We will get you a Bible, no cost to you. It's our gift and we'll get you one you can understand because I believe that's so important for us to know what God's word says and to walk through that. So let's jump in because it, we got to see this, that the thing that made Jesus people so unique from the very, very beginning is the fact that they had an experience with Jesus. Like the reason why they were able to do all the stuff we're going to talk about God leading them to do was because their lives had been changed by Jesus. And so let's kind of jump in. Acts chapter 1, let's look at, at this. In my former book, Theophilus, now that's not the name of the book who he's writing to is Theophilus, right? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So let's talk about that first verse. Like, what are we reading? So Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, some, some people call it that book, is written by a guy named Luke. 
Now, Luke is the same Luke who wrote the gospel, the account of Jesus, Luke. So if you're in the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke wrote this account of the life of Jesus. And then he continues by then giving an account of the early church, the very first Jesus people. So when he writes his very first book, the the book of Luke, he says in the very first part of that, what he wanted to do was he wanted to give an accurate account. So he talked to people. He interviewed firsthand eyewitnesses. He he looked at what people said and he wants to write to this guy, Theophilus, right? And give him an accurate account of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And so he wants to now continue and say what happened after Jesus left and what happened in the early church. So he's written this to Theophilus, who many people believe to be a Roman official, right? So he was a governor or maybe an, a, you know, a mayor or some, some type of official in the Roman Empire. Now, here's what you understand about Luke as well, is Luke is not Jewish. So he's a Gentile. And so he's writing specifically to another Gentile. So some of the things he talks about don't focus as much on the Jewish side of the story of Jesus, but focuses more on really including everybody because that's who Jesus came to include. He came to include both Jews and those who weren't Jews. And Luke was a physician. So he was a a very knowledgeable guy. He was a skilled guy. So he put a lot of work into making sure that what he wrote down was actually the truth. And he, he wrote this book between 60 and 63 AD. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because it's only about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Well, and that's important because if it's 200 years from now, if it was 500 years after that, Luke can't actually talk to people who were there. He's going to only be able to give you accounts of third, fourth, you know, fifth hand people. He was actually able to talk to the people he's writing about. And people were able to actually stand up and say, no, 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 no. That's not how that happened because I was there. So it's a very accurate account. And the book of Acts does this. Here's, here's the, the premise and what the, the goal is. Is he wants to give an account of the birth and the growth of the first Christian church. And so he says, listen, I'm writing you this book because I want to give you an accurate account of how God used people to continue the mission of Jesus. And I want you to understand that that's the mission that you're on too, right? So he writes this down and so runs through all that. And then he, he talks about really, you know, where we are in this. So Acts chapter one, verse three says, after his suffering, talking about Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he says, okay, the reason why this account is so accurate, the reason why everything that's going to happen, happen, is because these people were so changed because they saw and experienced a risen Jesus, a risen Savior. He says this, that that, that when, when they encountered Jesus after the resurrection, They didn't just put their faith in the fact that they couldn't find a body in the tomb. They put their faith in the the resurrected, living again Jesus that they saw and touched and ate with and had conversations with firsthand. Uh, One commentator I was studying said it this way, and I thought this was really cool. He said that the early Christians did not believe in the resurrection of Christ because they could not find his dead body. They believed because they did find a living Christ. And listen, that's so huge for us to understand. Because as followers of Jesus as Christians, and I know not everybody's a Christian here today, and that's cool. We're so glad that you're here wherever you are on your journey of faith. But what you understand about about Jesus' people, about Christians, is this. Is that we don't put our faith in 
uncertainty. We don't put our faith in the fact that nobody found the tomb and nobody found a body in the tomb where Jesus was buried. We put our faith in the account that people saw and experienced a living, walking, breathing Jesus who was dead and is now alive. And that reality is what empowers them so much to do the things that we're going to see God leading them to do. And listen, that, that's the biggest question when it comes to faith. You know, you might be here today and you're not, you're not a follower of Jesus. And, and your question is, I, I just can't get around the resurrection. Like, I can believe that Jesus existed. I can believe he was a good teacher. I can maybe even believe that he did some miracle type things and, and some of that kind of stuff. But he really rose from the grave. Like, I'm not sure I can really believe that. But that is the crux of what faith is all about. Because if Jesus was still dead, if he never came back from the grave, he would not have the power to forgive our sin. He would not have the power to give us eternal life. So his resurrection is where our hope comes from, not just his death. But listen, you saw the video at the very beginning of the service about starting point. Starting point's a place where if you have those kind of questions, you're like, listen, I'm wrestling through this whole idea of like, you know, Jesus really rose from the grave. You know, where do I talk about that? Starting point is the perfect place to talk about it. It's designed for you to bring your questions without guilt, without condemnation, without people saying that was a dumb question because it really is not a dumb question. And so maybe you're like, okay, I hear what you're saying, Zach, but I'm not, I'm not fully there yet. Get in starting point. Have those further conversations. But for us, let's, let's, let's come around this idea that when Luke says that Jesus truly appeared, and other accounts say he appeared to upwards of 500 people at one time, that that was the reality of what they experienced. And so they find themselves worshiping and believing in a risen Jesus, a risen Savior. And it says that he was hanging out with them. He was, hang, he was spending 40 days with these followers. And look at verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. So he's having dinner with his closest followers, and he says, here's what I want you to do. Do not leave Jerusalem, which is where they were. This is kind of the hub of where they were all staying. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, okay, I died on the cross, I'm alive again, but we're not done. Like there's stuff that you've got to do. Like this, this movement, this thing is not, it's not over. But here's what I want you to do. Wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. Now, they would have understood because Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was God's personal spirit. And that when Jesus was going to leave, the Holy Spirit was going to come, and it was going to dwell in the lives of all the people who believed in him. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's spirit dwells in you. The Bible tells us that. And he said, but wait here until the Holy Spirit comes, and he's going to baptize you. He's going to surround you. This word baptism is this word that means to immerse or to dunk or submerge underwater. It means to be fully, completely filled and surrounded. And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to rest in your life. And I want you to wait here until that happens. Now, they hear this and they say, okay, well, well maybe this is the time the Holy Spirit comes. This will be the time when Jesus will bring all of his promises like all the things that, that he's been talking about, about his kingdom and all these different things, he's going to come and the Israelite kingdom is going to come on the earth and all these kind of things because they totally misunderstood what he was talking about. And they say, okay, well, if the Holy Spirit's coming, maybe this is the time where everything Jesus talked about, it's going to happen. And so they gathered around him, verse 6, and they, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore your, the kingdom of Israel? 
And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. He says, listen, listen, it's not all fixing to come to an end. Like there's more that's going to be done. There's more that's going to happen before heaven and earth come new and eternity begins. And then he tells them this command. He gives them this commission. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the central verse and the central theme that everything else wraps around in the book of Acts. Because it's because of what Jesus says in, chapter, in verse 8 that leads them to do everything else that he's going to lead them to do. And it's the first thing we've got to see about Jesus' people. The people who follow Jesus, this is what they were told to be. This is what we, as followers of Jesus, are told to be. And here's what he says. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, listen, that my people, Jesus' people, that were sent. That Jesus' people need to understand that we have been sent. We have been told to go. We have been told to be active. We have been told not to just sit back and not to just hang out and until Jesus comes or we, we take our last breath on this earth. But he says that if you want to be my follower, recognize this, that you have been sent. That I'm sending you out. I'm giving you something to do. That you have a task. You have a mission. I'm inviting you to become part of the movement that I've started and that will continue until I return. And as followers of Jesus, that same command, that same calling is in your life and mine. That Jesus' people are sent. But what we see in this passage and what I want to focus on today is not that just Jesus' people are sent. But Jesus sends them and sends us with several things. And so to understand how we're sent, to understand why we're sent, to understand the bigger picture of what it means to be in the movement of Jesus, in the mission of Jesus, actively pursuing him and his things, we need to understand what we've been sent with. And so here's the first one. The first one is this, is that Jesus sends us and Jesus sent them with power. Is that Jesus sends us and Jesus sent them with power. Look what he said in verse 8. He said, and you'll receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the first thing we need to understand is this. As followers of Jesus, as Jesus' people, you and I are not called to live our lives in our own power. Like you're not called to be a follower of Jesus and try to live for him just simply by your own willpower because it's not possible. That we need to understand that we have been given power to do and to become who God has for us to become and what he has for us to do. And so why this is so important is really two ways. One is that if we try to live our lives apart from God, apart from Jesus, on our own power, we're always going to be frustrated because our willpower is not enough to change our life. Our commitment to do the right thing is not enough to actually lead us to do the right thing. And if we're honest, we know that about ourselves. We know that we fall short. We know that we make great intentions and we have good intentions. We make great goals and we don't always meet those. And some have great willpower, some have, you know, some not so great willpower, but we cannot live 
as Jesus followers and be and do everything God is calling us to be and do to experience every promise that he has for us in our own power. We have to rely on his power in us. And here in a couple of weeks, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what it means to really tap into the power that God has promised us through his spirit. Because as followers of Jesus, every single one of us have God's spirit living in our life. Listen, look what, look what he says, or look what um, um, he talks about, and Paul talks about in Romans 8, 11 through 13. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit of God that lives in all followers of Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you're one of the Jesus people, you have the same spirit of God in you with the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. How cool is that? I mean, how incredible is that? But then also how humbling is it to know that, that if you're like me, I don't always use that power the way that I should. See, as Christians, so often we play defense and we live our lives in a defensive posture where we sit back and we feel like, okay, let's just kind of hold on. And everything that comes at us, let's just kind of you know, duck and let's kind of block it and let's kind of play defense. And we just kind of try to survive. You know, the world's attacking us. They don't like our faith. Different values are coming at us. You know, our kids are having harder times in school. You know, we're sick. or We kind of play this game. But the reality is this. As his followers of Jesus, we don't have to just play defense. We can play offense. Because we have power. Power that's greater than the sin in our life. Power that's greater than our addictions. Power that's greater than our hurts. Power that's greater than our financial troubles. Power that's greater than the hope we lose because of our, our physical health. We have power to live the life of fullness that Jesus Christ tells us we can live. And we don't have to sit back and like play scared. We can come at him and come at life and come at our struggles and come at our challenges with hope and trust because Jesus says you have power. And I'm sending you to go live for me, but I'm sending you with power. Are you living in that power today? I think there's days where in my own life, I'm like, man, are you tapping into that power? We'll talk more about that in a couple weeks. But he sends us with power. He says, I'm giving you the power to do and to be not in your own power, but in my power, everything that I'm asking. And he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Don't go and leave Jerusalem yet, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you, then you'll receive power. And he gives them that, 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 that reality. Then he gives them a purpose. He said, not only are you going to have power, but you're going to have a purpose. And your purpose is found in, in Acts 1.8. He says, you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. You'll be a witness for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, what does it mean to be a witness? Well, let's kind of take that idea of just coming back to what, what, what a witness does in a courtroom, right? Because it's the same reality. If you've ever had to go and be a witness at a trial or, or be a witness or you had somebody come in on your behalf and they were a witness, a witness simply tells what they've personally experienced. A witness gives an account a testimony of what they know, what they saw, where they were. And, and, and if they do anything other than give their personal account, the, the judge and the defense actually stands up and says, no, 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 that's not the role of a witness. The witness isn't supposed to say what somebody else might have thought. They're supposed to say what they think. 
They're not supposed to talk about somebody else's experience. They're supposed to talk about their experience. And so Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the reason is, and the purpose behind your life is, so that you will be my witnesses. So that you will go. And as you go, you'll tell people about Jesus. You'll tell people about what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced. You'll live your life in such a way that reflects everything that God's been doing in your life. That you'll know the power of him and you know the change he brings. And you'll go and you'll share your story with other people. That you'll be a witness in what you say and how you live. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives what's called the Great Commission. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. He says, I want you to go. And the way that you go is you go as a witness. You go sharing with others what you've come to know about who Jesus is. And here's what's so cool and humbling about that. Is that Jesus left ordinary people like you and me in charge of letting the world know the truth about who he is. Like, here's why that's so important. Because if, if you're like me, you'll trust certain people with certain things and you're not going to trust other people with certain things, Right? And it's all about really how, how much faith you have in that person. So there are certain things that I would trust my kids to do and certain things I would not trust them to do, right? There are certain things I would trust my 15-year-old to do that I wouldn't trust my 12-year-old or my 3-year-old to do, right? Because it, it's about confidence. There are certain things that work, especially if you're a control freak, because let's admit it, a lot of control freaks are in this room, right? That, that you will not allow somebody else to do. Because why? I want to make sure it gets done right, right? Now, if Jesus left for you and for me as his followers, if he left us the most important task that could ever be left for somebody to do, to give us the responsibility of continuing his ministry, his movement, his message of hope and eternal life, he must have had confidence in what his power can do in us. You ever thought about that? He's trusting you and trusting me with the most important mission. He said, listen, I gave my life. I died on the cross. I I was raised from the grave. I did the hard part. Now I want you to go tell people about it. And, And what's so cool is that God believes in you. Jesus believes in me. Not because of who we are as people, but because of who he has made us. Because if we allow that power of the Holy Spirit to dwell in our life, even though we're ordinary people, we can do extraordinary things. But we've got to be willing to say yes and believe, number one, about ourselves, what Jesus believes about us. Look how Paul talks about it in Romans 10, 13 through 15. He says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what salvation means. That's what it means to be a Christian, to become one of the Jesus people. Is that you call upon the name of the Lord. You put your faith and your trust in him. You ask him to make you new and do the things that you can't do on your own. But it says that that's the reality. That's what everybody needs. He goes on to say this in verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So if you're going to call on Jesus, you've got to then, you've got to believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? So if you're going to believe, you have to hear about what you're going to believe in, right? 
And then it says, how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? So you can't hear about Jesus unless somebody tells you about Jesus. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? So you see this says this is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. So it all comes back to this idea that we're sent. If people are going to put their faith and trust in Jesus, they have to number, they have to believe in Jesus. But to believe in something, they have to be told about that. And to be told about that, somebody has to be telling them. And to be telling them, somebody has to be sent. So you see how our being sent leads to life change in other people. And that's how Jesus said it's going to work. Now, the Bible says that that God can reveal himself however he wants to. But the primary way that God brings life change to people are through other followers of Jesus. And he says, that's your purpose. It's my purpose. We've been given great power so that we can go and we can be witnesses. And he says, I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He says, I want you to begin where you are. Then I want you to move a little bit further out. I want you to move even further out, maybe to places you don't normally go. And then I want you to go to the ends of the earth. Because it's going to start here in Jerusalem. And over the years, it's going to expand. And we're a part of that expansion today. But we're not called to just simply be part of it. We're called to help in the movement of expanding. And how do we do that? We live out our purpose. So he says, you're sent with power. You're sent with purpose. But you're also sent, here's the third thing. You're sent with promise. You're sent with a promise. I love the way this passage ends. Look at verse 9. It says, after he said this, so Jesus tells them, you'll be my witnesses, you'll receive power. I want you to go do this. It says, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus is sitting there saying, here's what you're supposed to do. I'm giving you power. I'm giving you a purpose. And now all of a sudden, Jesus just starts going up to heaven. And it says that they were looking up and squinting, trying to get that one last glimpse of Jesus. And it says that they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood behind them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking in the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus gives them this call. He tells them about the promise. He gives them their purpose. And then he goes to be with God in heaven. And as they're staring up at the sky, looking at what's going on, trying to get that last glimpse, angels show up around them. When the Bible talks about men in white, it's typically they're angels. And they say, this is Zach's paraphrase, what are you guys looking at? They're like, didn't Jesus just say like he's coming back and you got something to be doing? Right? He's like, quit staring up at the sky. You've got a purpose. Go and do that. But then he gives them a promise. And here's what's so cool is that the promise is, listen, as you saw him go, he's coming back. And so the, the, the crux of what he's saying to him is this, is because he's coming back, it's time for you to get busy. Because he's given you power, because he's given you a purpose, the promise is he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to want to make sure that you were doing what you were supposed to have been doing, Right? Because as he comes back and that promise that he's going to return, that changed how they lived. Because they wanted to be found faithful with the task that Jesus had given them. It's kind of like this. I was thinking about this week. 
for, you know, maybe those who have teenagers, if you're parents or you were a teenager, this probably happened to you as well. Or, you know, but you're going to leave as a parent. You know what? Hey, we're going to be gone for three hours. Um, Here's what I want you to do, right? So you give your kids that list. And and the list, you know, it's like, um, you know, number one, don't kill each other. You know, number two, don't set fire to the house. You know, um, three, you know, do the laundry, clean the dishes. Like, here's what I, here, here's your task while I'm gone, right? And then once you close the door, several things happen, right? You have the kids who, maybe this was you, maybe these are your kids, or these are the kids you hope for, right? That as soon as you leave the house, they're like, let's do it. And, and they, they want to please the parents. So they're doing the laundry, they're doing the stuff, like, like they don't take any time off because they're so afraid that if you came back early, they wouldn't get it done. And they want, to, they, want, they want you to be proud, they want you to be pleased, they want to give their best, right? So they do all the stuff first, right off, right off the hand, sorry of it, right? Well, then you have the kids who, they act like they lost the list, right? And they don't do anything, and they don't really care, right? Those are middle schoolers, okay? So then, then you got the kids, though, that have the great intentions, but they get distracted, Right? And you walk in like three hours later and they're like, like shocked that three hours has gone by, right? They they weren't trying to be disobedient. They just got distracted, you know? And then you have the kids who ask you to call them when you're 10 minutes away or they send you a text like, hey, when are you coming back? We'll be home in 10 minutes. And they leave everything till the very end to just try to get it done, right? They don't want to please you. They don't want to disappoint you. They just don't want to get in trouble, right? That's how it is. I, when Jesus leaves, right, I think we, we can fall into some, one of those categories. You know, we can be the, the Jesus followers that say, I want to please my Savior. I want to do what he's called me to do. I know he's coming back, and if he comes back early, I want him to find me doing the things that are going to please him, making the most of this life he's given me. You have some that, you, honestly, you're like, I don't really care to please God. I, I'm not really sure, you know, that's really who I am, Right? Probably a very few group. But probably the biggest group is it's the people that get distracted, right? It's like, man, I, I want to please God, but, you know, it's football season, right? I'll do it tomorrow, right? I, I want to please God, but, you know, you know wh- whatever, right? And then you have the ones who it's like, man, I, just, I, gotta, I, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want Jesus to be mad at me, so you just do it. But you're missing the point, right? If we want to be sent people who live with fullness, I think we've got to try to be this kid. That, that we want to live our lives with his promise on our mind. Knowing that one day he's going to return. And because he's given so much to us, we want to live our lives to please him. And see, that's what we see happen in the lives of these followers, this small group of followers. Is that they have this desire to want to please Jesus to want to make the most of the time that he had given them, the power he had given them, the purpose he had given them, and the promise that was there. And they, they lived their lives based upon this promise. And this attitude is reflected in Second Peter chapter 3. Peter writes this, and it's this challenge he's given to people. He says, So my dear friends, since this is what you have to look forward to, talking about the return of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, Do your very best to be found living at your best. In purity and peace, interpret our master's patient restraint for what it is salvation. He's saying, listen, every day that Jesus doesn't return, he does so because he's not done yet. 
Because somebody needs to put their faith in him. Because somebody needs to awaken to salvation. Because he wants to do something in and through your life that, 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 that allows you to know him more. Every day we wake up and Jesus doesn't return. It's not that he's forgot. It's not that he's slow. It's not that he, you know, just like, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of waiting for the world to fall completely apart, right? It's because we're not done yet. Every day that you wake up, that Jesus isn't here, and you're still breathing on this earth, he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And he wants you to understand you've been sent, not to just sit, but to go. To leverage your life, to leverage your finances, to leverage your story, to leverage everything about who you are for his purpose. And when you do that, you move from being that ordinary person to a person that God uses to do those extraordinary things. And if there's something I believe about you, it's that you want to give your very best. You do. You want to please God. You desire it. That's why you're here today. You want to know more about him. You want to know if he's real. You want to please him. You are sent with power, with a purpose. You're sent with a promise. And God wants to use you and use me to do those incredible things. But we've got to make sure that we don't become this kid who loses focus. So here's the takeaway for today. It's three questions. The so what of all we've been talking about. And it's this. How do I make sure I don't lose focus? How do I make sure in the craziness of life, I remember that I've been sent with power, with purpose, with a promise? We've got to make sure that we're looking at the right things. We need to make sure in our life that we're looking up. So are you looking up? Are you looking to God on a daily basis so you can live in that power he's promised to give you through a relationship with him? Are you looking to him for your purpose? Are you spending time reflecting on God and looking to God and learning about God on that daily basis? But then not just are you spending all your time looking up because the disciples were looking up. The angels came and said, it's time to look out. And when we look out, we see our life as an opportunity. An opportunity to be a witness in how we live and what we say. But then also, are you looking forward? Does the promise that Jesus is going to return, does the promise that Jesus is going to use your life, does the promise that with the time you have left, he has something for you to do that's so much more important than anything else we could ever do, does that promise, does it guide us? Does it direct us? Does it empower and change our lives? If we want to be sent people, we got to look up, we got to look out. We got to look forward. So here's where we are today. Where do you need to take that step? See, a relationship with God is all about a journey. And everybody has a step to take. Do you need to recognize your power in him? Do you need to recognize your purpose or recognize that promise? You need to spend more time looking up, more time looking out, more time looking forward. What does that look like for you? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and we thank you. I thank you, God, that you are a God who is, is just real. Jesus, that you're, my faith in you is not just faith in an empty tomb, but it's faith in, in a living Savior who I may have not seen 
with my very eyes, but who I've experienced in such a powerful way that I know you're real. That I can't deny what you've done in me and in other people. And God, you have the, the best way of life for me and for all of us. And if we want to truly be Jesus' people, be your followers, living out our lives in the, the best way possible, God, we need to recognize that we're sent. So God, as we hear that from you, I pray, God, we, we ask the question, well, what does that mean? What do I need to do with your help in my life to live that out more and more? God, during this song, I pray, as we sing to you, as we worship you, as we reflect on your word, you would clearly communicate to us that next step. And you would give us the power through you to live it out. God, that we would truly understand what it means to be sent. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.